Hi, you're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. On this podcast, we discuss our relationship with food, whether it is easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. I suffered with eating disorders for years, and it took everything to pull through. Now that I'm at the other side, I want to open up the conversation, find out how other people manage this basic and most fundamental of relationships. I'm taking a light approach, but I think if this area of our lives is skewed, then so is the rest. It's never just about food. Hello, and welcome to This Food Thing. My name is Roger Lloyd-Thompson, and I am not your host. I'm actually the first guest on the next show. But I am here with your host, Gemma. Hello. And I would like to say to you, first of all, Gemma, why am I interviewing you? I have no idea. Yeah, how exactly. How did this happen? Why? I don't know. Because you arrived me. Yeah, how do we find ourselves here? Tell us the story. Because you were going to interview me at the end of the season, which I've now recorded, mm. but you were my first guest. And because you had the idea, because you want to take over the whole podcast, yes, that you have your own episode. So I'm allowing you to yeah, be thank here you very much. on my show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But tell us a, a little bit, because originally you'd asked me to be the guest and it it was a really it was a really nice thing to do and then you interviewed various people and mm-hmm. tell us about now why this episode is where why you, why you you wanted to tell your story um partly i'm not sure that i need to tell my whole story but partly because i was so stimulated by talking to people yeah. about their experiences around food and their relationship with food um, and very similar issues to mine, anorexia, bulimia, lots of other bits and pieces, that I would then have a conversation in my head for hours afterwards. And I thought it would be good to introduce myself and talk about my experiences. Also kind of just because it's fair. Mm. It's it's one thing to sit asking people questions, but it's something else completely different to be have the questions asked of you. Yeah. And I really liked your idea of putting this episode at the beginning, like opening a book before you start and you look at the contents. Um, and I just thought it would be a, a, a good way in. Yeah. And it felt like some kind of completion. And actually, for the next season, I think I'll do it again. Yeah. I might not talk so much about myself, but I might talk about how, what's come up interviewing people, how the shape that the podcast has taken, the conversations. And have you ever really talked about all of your experiences in this format? What do you mean? In In relation to food, have you really sat down and put, put your thoughts into order in this way? And only with a therapist? Yeah. Or... Five. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah. <laughs> Over it's, the years, so I've done that, but that's very different because, yeah. you, and this is something I've been thinking about because in therapy, you're you're talking and, and emoting, and you're trying to get to the the bottom of something. You're trying to resolve something, and my experience is get to the feeling. You yeah. know, what are the feelings behind your behaviour? And that's for for me, it was to enable me then to to live my life. Yeah. Um, instead of being consumed by addictions to whatever, particularly food. So, no, not like this, not in hindsight or from a position of, well, I used to be like that, but I'm not anymore. 
And I think it's important to say, this isn't therapy, is it? I mean, no, it might feel like it might be useful. You. Well, I'm certainly not a therapist. <laughs> I would like to make that disclaimer now. I've known you for an awfully long time. And it's interesting because I think, as, as you say to me when you were interviewing me, we don't really know that much about this side of each other. No, so we don't. why is that? Why, why don't I know these things about you would you would you say because i was very closed mm. i was very um i think i was very arrogant because i thought that i was the only person who had these problems is that arrogance? Tell me a bit more about arrogance. I think it is in a funny sort of way i think i think anorexias can can be a little bit arrogant because you're you don't have any needs um it's a little bit narcissistic as well. Um, and you're, you feel above... Well, I felt above other people because I didn't need food okay. and I didn't need to eat. Okay. And I felt superior and away from the group who okay. did need to eat. And I enjoyed having my own secret, even though it was destroying me. I certainly would never have talked about it with you because you were a bit bulimic, mm. but I thought that my bulimic was, bulimia was worse. Mm. And because I was actually, do you know what the number of it is? I was busy pretending that I was fine and there was nothing wrong with me. And I, it was my secret. Yeah. And it was just too painful to talk about. And I couldn't talk about it. I was so enmeshed in it all that unpicking it, I was very surprised and shocked and I started to get better. Unpicking it was, it was just like being in a a, a ball of confusion. Mm -hmm. So that's why I didn't talk about it, the shame. So I think it's interesting then that really you can be close to people, clearly, uh-huh. and not reveal things. Um, and maybe does that feed into that feeling of um, being a bit different in, in, a, in a way that I think maybe in youth is a good thing, isn't it, to be different? We want to be 100%, yeah. uh, maybe a little bit special, or different so yeah I was I was was thinking about this and it's very interesting these questions because I still can't quite put my finger on it Mm. but I couldn't bear the the, I couldn't bear all the feelings I had about myself and my life Mm. where I was who I was how I felt with other people how I felt out in the world, it was so much easier to starve or binge or purge or... And I got caught up in that for a really, really, really long time. It's like looking out the wrong window at the wrong view. Is there something about, if someone takes something away from you, might it, even if it's a bad thing, might it change the good things about you? You know, I read... I read that Freddie Mercury never wanted to change his teeth because he was scared it would change his voice, which, you know, makes sense. And I think to some degree, maybe is it, even the bad things we feel, are they making us ourselves? If you take that away from me, will it fundamentally change maybe my humour, my persona? I don't know. Yeah, and no. For me, it was about taking away the fantasy that one day things were going to be okay. Okay. Because it was all about redemption for me and hope and just a little bit more effort from me, let's say of 
not eating, I'd get to my desired weight, or just one more purging, right? And the feelings would sort themselves. So, so is that almost? Forgive me. Is that almost like I'm going to get to a stage where I like myself, and then it will, and be, then, it'll then be I fine. can stop. You know, and it's I like can... those jeans that you have in the yes. cupboard, and you think, you know what? In two weeks, I'm going to put them on. It's going to be great, and you put them on, yeah. and you look like. Yeah. Still, yeah. because inside you haven't caught up with yourself. Yeah. So let me take you back then. Okay, we're talking about, um, you know, maybe feelings. I, I guess we're talking about when you're living on your own there. And, you know, but take me back to younger. Where did, where did you first become aware of food? From a really, really early age. I remember um, looking at myself in my, in the mirror, mm. in my, I always had hand-me-downs. I always wanted to dress like my brothers because they had blue jeans and they seemed to have a much more of a fun life than I did running Because around. of the blue because jeans. Because of the blue jeans. It's true. Forever in blue it's jeans. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes it. And uh, my godfather's uh, daughter had great clothes and I used to get her hand-me-downs. And I remember she had some dungarees. I thought, God, they're really cool. These dungarees are really cool. Must have been about seven or eight. Yeah. And I put them on. They had like a... <laughs> <laughs> they had a zip all the way up the middle. Right. I put them on. Were you in therapy for those? Like, yeah, no, I should have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, And I stood in front of the mirror, and I remember it at the, the end of our hallway, and I, I turned on the side, I did a side view of myself, and my stomach was sticking out. And I thought that the dungarees were going to make my stomach flat. Oh, okay. I remember that moment as a visual moment. Yeah. Um. I was always very aware of food because of my family and how they are with food, how my dad was with me in food, uh, the comments that were made to me. So I tell mean, us a bit more about that because... Well, know. my dad used to say that I was fat. Okay. And then feed me until right. I was sick. Okay. So because my parents were divorced, so he was... We'd have breakfast and then he'd say, what do you want for lunch? And what, then what do you want to have for dinner? And... What food should we have? Because he was so anxious about it. I mean, he was always on a diet. So was that, I'm just trying to unpick that a bit. Was that him having issues with food or is that him showing you love through food? Yeah, probably a bit of both. Okay. Probably a bit of both. But he had money so we could have the ice creams and the sweets and the food that my mum wouldn't buy or couldn't buy or couldn't afford it. Right. Um, my dad's not here anymore, so I feel I can speak more freely about him. But my mum is, and my family is, so I'll probably be a little circumspect. Yeah. But my mum has a tendency not to eat or not to be able to eat. And um, this is sort of very potted, but my brothers were always uh, sporty, so they'd eat more. So my stepfather would get served first, then it would be my brothers, then I would get served. And then my mum, and she'd take a little sparrow's portion. Mm. And compared to all the kids at school... I was chubby. I wasn't chubby. I've seen photos. Right. But I felt it. Yeah. And probably about four was when I started to feel uncomfortable in my own skin. So pretty early. That's quite an early conscious. And that something was wrong and that I didn't quite fit in. Yeah. And that I was a bit different. So when did the dungarees happen? About seven or eight. Okay, so prior to that, you're, you 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 have memories of feeling uncomfortable around or uncomfortable within yourself. Yeah, my body shape, okay. and also I was I was hungry. I thought I was quite greedy. Right. I could put me in the larder, 
when I was four, I would have eaten all of it. I was See, always, and I love going to my brother's mm, schools because they used to have these yeah. fantastic teas when they played rock. I'm interested in that concept of greed, actually, because you said something, and actually, even now, I can think, oh, I'm really greedy. And I'm a bit kinder to myself now because I think there's, it isn't just, I'm greedy, I want more than anyone else. I think there's something psychological about sating uh, a bad feeling or if if I carry on, you know, I, I remember quite a while ago when I wasn't great with food, as long as I was eating, I wasn't thinking about that feeling. I had an issue with well, it. You're not feeling, yeah. are you? Because something else is going yeah. on. Yeah. I wasn't, I was anxious. I was highly, highly anxious. Yeah. That's what I was trying to deal with. Yeah. And very, very oversensitive. But on the outside, I was gregarious, yeah. confident, yeah. smiley, funny, all those, all those things. Yeah. But inside, I was very wobbly. And it's interesting. I don't want to generalise now. Clearly, when anyone says that, they're probably they're going to, to aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you just said about sensitive. Now, I would say that I'm sensitive as well. Is there something around this area? And people can answer this question themselves. But is there a sensitivity? Because, you know. As much as this is about something that's going on for ourselves, is it about how we think other people perceive us as well? But you don't think that cognitively when you're a kid, do you? you don't. No, but is, is this about, you know, when you said you're chubby or you said that you thought this was going to flatten your stomach, was that just for you or was that for people at school? You know, if they're telling you they're chubby, is this about an external thing as well? Is it sensitive to other people's views of us? Oh, you just reminded me of something. When my mum and dad got divorced, I went to this little, it was called a kindergarten. Mm. I don't remember this, but I remember crying every day. I was bullied by a teacher at this little kindergarten. Right. Because my mum and dad were getting divorced. When I went to eight, probably, when I went to the school that I stayed at when I was 18, I got bullied by a teacher who called me fat. Okay. And greedy. Because I bought some squash in or something and, you know, bent over and took something. I also got caught by the headmistress licking my plate in front of the whole school. And she came down from the table, from the stage, and bawled me out. And I'm like, all I did was I just licked the plate. Yeah. So, and there was a lot of pressure on me to be a certain way. And, I mean, we didn't have much food at home because we didn't have much money. And all my friends, lots of them were farmers, so they all bike by, bulk by, and they always have these massive teas, and I'd be like, oh, they've got butterfly cakes with butter icing. They were always I'm on tractors saying, and combine were... harvesters. <laughs> well, that's what it's like in the southwest, my love. OK. Oh, yeah, lovely. <laughs> Fields of corn. We'd like to put a disclaimer on with the accent. Gemma really does come from the area, so she, <laughs> yeah, she exactly. may be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was... It, 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 not that we didn't have any food. Of course, we did have food, but... It was quite strict and controlled. So, ah, it was a big deal for me. I used to nick food if I could find any in the house. I'm not making out that we just had, you know, lettuce for a year, (laughs) a bowl of porridge between five. Well, it's interesting. You you mentioned the word greedy. It's a terrible judgment on a kid, isn't it? To be greedy. You know, that almost strikes a chord with me now. And actually, I remember going on holiday with my parents to their caravan. Yeah. And I used to... I like that. Did you go separately? Yeah, exactly. You met your parents on the caravan. I went on a combine harvest. (laughs) 
But you know, it was funny, and it, it's funny you just said about stealing food. I I hated going to Wales. We used to go to Wales. Right. The, the rest of my family loved camping, this, that, and the other. I was a get me a hairdryer in a hotel, and I'm okay. <laughs> you know, I can take walks, but I need a nice big wrap. But <laughs> Not I remember, like a ciabatta. Yeah, right? well, no, well, that could have been <laughs> at the time. But I remember stealing packets of fig rolls. Now, ah, I don't even like the things that much, and I remember stealing these. I used to go and sit in an orchard, right. which was on the farm, yeah. because I, I, I really didn't want to be there. Now... It's funny because I don't know why I stole food. Did I, I'm sure I didn't need to steal food. I, I, I wasn't Oliver Twist. Right, right. But, but that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Was that because... Well, I don't know. And I, I, There was an early memory of me having a pot of syrup. Right. I must have been about three. Right. I was found with one of those Tate and Lyle syrup. Yeah, yeah, the golden syrup. Yeah. yeah. And I was found behind a bush <laughs> in the garden as a toddler you, you with a spoon. Been, you should have been born in the West Country. But seriously, yeah. <laughs> Fig rolls, sugar. And I was found with a bag of sugar and this syrup. Now, as a three-year-old, now that's quite interesting you if see, we're talking about taking food away and I know but I we're, also, know. we're also, we, do we know if we're talking about psychology or are we talking about maybe your... Uh, hormone levels as, as a three-year-old. Or, or a big thief. Or, or you're a big thief, yeah. <laughs> or how you were weaned or, yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot. There's it's a lot. interesting though, isn't it? Sweetness, that, that thing, that yeah, desire for sweetness yeah, though. Yeah, and and also I think with me it was, it was the fact that I could have it to myself and I wouldn't be, I guess, judged on it. You know, it, it's weird, isn't it? Taking those things into a different environment I, my, and not being watched. My response to that is that I wanted something for myself. Yeah. So I was in, when I began, when I started to be bulimic, um, which is such a secret because you can't see it in the same way that you can see anorexia. You know if someone's starving yeah. themselves yeah. to death, yeah, because that's where you're going if you don't eat. Um, I was intoxicated by the fact that I had something to myself, mm. and it was private because I used to feel as though growing up, as though my privacy was continually impinged upon. It was always about other people. Mm. I might didn't realise that on the outside, but it was mine. So that thing about having your own jar of syrup, tin of syrup in the in the orchard, it's yours and it's sweet. Yeah. The symbolism of it being sweet yeah. is relevant. I don't know what it means, but I think it's relevant. Yeah. Just to know that it's it is. So early memories. Yeah. Early memories. There's lots, Roger. Yeah, of There's course. Loads. And I'm, I'm sure everyone... It, it, I think anyone listening to this must have memories around food because at yeah. the base of it, it is fundamental, isn't it? It is yeah, the life blood. It is the basic relationship. I guess, rhetorical question, is it more or less important to certain people? Probably. Does it cause certain Probably. triggers in people? And I think if there's upset going on, people will reward or withhold food. Yeah. And I think, particularly for my mum and dad at that time, it was very much about very obviously nurturing. Yeah. So food takes on this emotional resonance yeah. that doesn't affect some people and does. It did affect me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a real divide between my dad treating me and, and also giving me whatever I wanted and then my mum not being able to, but mm. she probably wouldn't have done anyway. Yeah. So dad was, was just repeating myself a little bit, but dad was all about sweets and cornettos and 
treats. Yeah. Yeah, I had treats at Christmas or my birthday and I had a little sweet tin and I was allowed three a day. Yeah. I remember sharing a, a Mars bar <laughs> at a farmer's market, actually, when I was about 12 uh, with my friend and uh, her dad. Oh, no, we had a whole Mars bar each. I couldn't eat it, but it was just like, oh, you have a whole Mars bar each. Yeah. I was fascinated by it. Yeah, yeah. So there's a currency in this, isn't there? Yeah, You yeah. know, food, sweets, they are a currency of something, aren't they? There was a terrible excitement for it, Yeah. I guess. And so when did that move into... When did that move into you felt you, you noticed there was an issue? You know, you would actively do things. When did you start to use food in a way that, you know, would? I started dieting. Yeah. And counting calories when I was, I don't know, 13. And what was that for? What what did you want that end result to be? To be different. And what did it, can I, you know, was there an image? Was there a a look in a book? Was it Yeah, there there were magazine images. I remember, I've done the same thing. I still do it in my life today. Pathetic, after all this time. I remember I had my hair permed Mm. because I wanted to look like this girl in a magazine. She was some, I can't remember if she was famous. And I had the perm and I was doing a play at school and we had this really renegade teacher at the school down the road who directed the plays. And he said, what, he said, and he looked at me and he said, what have you done to your hair? He said, you look like a 55 year old. And again, I thought if I have the perm, mm. I'm magically going to look different. Yeah. So. And you did. And I did. <laughs> I looked like an old person. Yeah. yeah. From the West Country. Yeah. Vera Duckworth. Yeah. Well, she's up north, isn't she? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very geographical. <laughs> Ped- pedantic. Yeah. So I felt different and my friends were skinny and they had skinny legs and I didn't have skinny legs. And I I just wanted to be different and feel different. You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Welcome back to This Food Thing. I'm here with your host, (laughs) Gemma. Hello. Gemma, we've talked a a little bit, well, maybe a big bit. Mm. We've talked a a bit about early memories. Yeah. And quite distinctive early memories. Yeah. Formative from an early age. You said four four years old, really, Mm -hmm. first memories. Um. What happened, when did you move out of that environment and how did you? I just want to say one thing. When you mentioned memories, I was sick quite a lot as a kid and I hated being sick. Right. I found it very distressing and would cry while my mum held my hair behind my head. Yeah. And I remember hiding behind a door because I felt sick. I don't know, I think I was told to, I'd been told off and I was hiding behind the kitchen door having been sick. It just came up. That's yeah. it. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. When I was young. When did I move out of it? Yeah. As when, when I was... Well, no. Well, yeah. When did you move out of that environment? When did you leave home? How I did see. you leave home? I see. So before I went, before I went to college... Yeah. Uh, ..to do a film and drama course... How old were you then? 18. Okay. 
I didn't get into drama school. Right. I realised that I was terrible at dealing with disappointment and failure because I always thought I'd breeze through everything with the minimum amount of effort because mm. everyone would go, oh, she's so talented. Yeah. You know, just that, again, that's that perm, I'm going to look different. Yeah. I didn't quite get it. Do you think it was the perm that made you talented, <laughs> It didn't last that long, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's a message in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's we'll go back to the plan. Yeah. Um, I went on holiday and I put on loads of weight. And my mum said to me as I got off the bu- the, the coach at uh, Exeter Coach Station after 36 hours, you know, with my girlfriends, one of mm. whom was pregnant. You know, it was the classic holiday. Yeah. You're 18. She said, "Oh, you rolled off the coach." Uh, I was like nine stone six. Right. That really stang. I got to college. I did a play and the director was a second year and they were studying Stanislavski, so we all had to be very method about it. And I did a play called Deuce of Fish, Staz and Vi. I remember this quite clearly, by Pam Gems. Yeah. And I played Vi, who was a grumpy vegetarian, bulimic Um, vegetarian. Oh, okay. And I don't know if there's any link, but I remember very clearly at college, I uh, ate a big dinner in the halls. I felt ill. And I made myself sick. And seriously, it was like heavenly chorus. So was that the first time that, I, that yeah. you'd made yourself sick? Yeah, in that way. And I just thought, oh, wow, I can still eat, mm. but I can get rid of it. And I felt amazing. And how did you... Did Was that just an epiphany in a good way or was there other feelings or thoughts about what you were doing? No, not at all. No, that's very interesting. No, it felt very um, clever. Yeah. And uh, it felt like a solution. So if if that felt clever and a solution, I'm just interesting here, but interested in the fact that it was still a very private thing then, wasn't it? So it it wasn't a good thing to do then. It was just, it worked. Because I had a load of feelings going on that I couldn't quite work out. So I was feeling probably out of my depth, mm. not good enough, because my, you know, but the whole thing about, we all feel not good enough and yeah. not, not lovable. Yeah. But my feelings of not feeling good enough were extreme. Yeah. And it stopped me from not feeling good enough. And it stopped me from feeling shy at college, even though I was seemingly gregarious inside, yeah. my stomach would be twisting. Yes. And, um, and it seemed like, and it gave me something that was within my own control. And so then I thought, I'm going to lose weight. This is how to do it. So if I do eat, I'm going to throw up. And then for the rest of the time, I'm not going to eat anything. Right. So, so we'd all queue up for our food, yeah. like you do in, the, in, your, in your first year. And I'd have two tin tomatoes, plum tomatoes, and a sprout. But actually, I've just remembered, I started to do that when I was at sixth form. Right. And I just thought, this is it. I'm going to lose loads of weight. So there was a discipline, there was a routine, there was a um, yeah. a sort of nobility in being able to yeah. deny... Yeah, I felt like it to, gave me some yeah. kind of... Um, I thought it was cool. And yet you, you've mentioned weight. Is this all... <clears throat> Excuse me. Clearly it's not all about weight and clearly there's a lot of uh, other things going on. Weight is a an indicator there's something that people see or don't see so is that what this stems from is it about being slim and beautiful because of and it is partly yeah um 
So let's talk about that and we'll talk about then the other bit. It is about being a certain size. I felt that I was too big. Mm. And I look back at photos now and I wasn't too big. But it's that thing with bulimia that initially you do lose a lot of weight and then you then you don't. That comes up in a, a podcast later on, actually. Mm. Um, but for me, it was this continual theme of redemption and new beginnings mm. and the relief that I felt when I was empty and could start again. That's what I found intoxicating and yeah. addictive. And uh, it was like, uh, yeah... It was like being born again. I know that sounds a bit too much, but it's little increments of that all, all the time. So what was there ever a time where you were in a better frame of mind and you actually stopped doing it for a no, while? No, no. Because my, my preference then was to be anorexic. Right. So there was never a time where you thought, I'm going to eat... I couldn't. I couldn't have food in my stomach. No. I could not have food in my stomach. And when I was really bad, I couldn't even have water in my stomach. I had to get rid of all of it, all the time. Mm. And I used to beat myself up because I wouldn't eat for however long. Oh, I lived on jelly sweets, penny sweets. Mm. Um, And I could, you know, when you're anorexic, you're starving, obviously, but you are really hungry. And then I berate myself for not having the discipline to, to not eat. So then I'd binge yeah. and throw up. And yeah. then I'd starve myself again. And then when that was no longer viable, I would eat and purge and eat and purge and eat and purge. So how long did this go on for, I guess, before you made a change? Um, what, before I decided to seek some help? Yeah, I guess. I guess really? Yeah, I guess. What was the... Um, OK, let me take that back a bit. Did you know this wasn't a great thing when did you because you said initially in the halls and and I guess when we're younger we think oh whatever I'll get older and it'll be fine I'll get over it when did it really start to prey on your mind um first of all uh I'm just also remembering that I wanted people to know I wanted them to find out how tortured I felt okay there was quite a lot of that yeah uh and why was that what would that have done for you um I couldn't express my feelings. Yeah. So they would have been able to express them for me. I couldn't say how I felt. Partly because I didn't know how I felt. I just felt so very troubled. Mm. Um, and I sort of maintained this, this, you know, this facade. Um, so... So when you were when you were going through this mm. at that time, it's hard to talk about actually. Yeah, I'm sure it is, and it you and know, I talked it's, about it loads. Uh, it's, yeah. it's weird. That's partly why I wanted to do this. But yeah. I wanted to sit in the chair. Yeah. Without it being like a. And I can see that you're, you know, you're living through these things and thinking of things in a different order. And it's hard to access because yeah, I'm of I'm really not in that sort yeah. of those zenith points. No. But my mum found me throwing up at home, and was angry. Not the best reaction, Mum. And everyone knew that I was very sick because I looked very sick. I had cuts on my knuckles. I had sores around my mouth. I looked ill. Well, After at a few what age years, are you now? Late 20s. Okay. Um, and I used to steal people's food and people used to find sick in their toilets and, you know, that whole mm. thing. It was clearly, clearly something was going on. 
and I used to bloat. So my face was always bloated and my glands would be bloated, um, you know, enlarged. Yeah. And uh, she, and so I said, oh, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's fine, 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 fine. So I, and actually, many of those years are a bit of a blur. Mm. And I think probably at about, where are we? Probably in my early 30s, I went home and I kind of broke down in front of my mum and said, I'm exhausted, I can't do this anymore. And she paid for my initial bout of therapy. I went to see a therapist when I was in my early 20s and she sent me away saying, you're not ready to get better. Okay. Um, Because I was busy telling her that I was absolutely fine. Um, And I think I saw a psychiatrist when I was at college because everyone thought that I had a huge drug problem which I didn't, um, but it was because I wasn't eating. So I'd sort of seen people along the way, yeah. but of course sat there in denial and went, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I still pretended that everything was fine yeah. and that, that there was nothing wrong. And then I found this wonderful woman who was a nurse who specialised in eating disorders and hypnotherapy, and I started to see her three times a week. And this was when you were in Early your 30s? 30s. Yeah. yeah. And she did various cognitive techniques with me like an elastic band around my wrist and you'd ping it and that's that's the basis of CBT isn't it yeah Yeah. which kind of worked and she tried to get me to talk about it which I found very very difficult so can I just can I stop you there because interestingly CBT is it is things in the moment tools to deal with feelings that are surface so you didn't like that no I didn't respond very well to it okay but I was also not ready to get better. And also what I found... And then I said to her, can you put me into a psychiatric unit? Because I feel like I'm going mad. Mm. And she said, I can. But it's very difficult to get you out of the system once you're in. So you need to think about it. And I thank God I had enough wherewithal to go, OK, I'll just keep seeing you. And I think... So I was trying to stop the behaviours. I tried to stop being sick. And I tried to stop starving myself. And I tried to eat normally. And I thought, if I stop being sick everything will just write itself and of mm. course it doesn't mm. because then the tsunami of feelings that i had been avoiding yeah. all that time yeah. crashed over me so i saw her for about four or five years i think and kind of did okay um but had a bit of a mini breakdown i think and then what's a mini breakdown would you say um i i couldn't do anything Right. I couldn't hold down a proper job. Right. I did very... This again, I mentioned this to someone on a podcast interview. I cleaned. I worked in a cafe, always around food. I wore the same clothes all the time. I felt very paranoid walking down the streets. I couldn't leave the house. I'd always break arrangements. Mm. I cried a lot. I self-harmed with other things. I... um and I maintained this all happy, shiny exterior when I was with quite Which a successful is tough, group isn't it? of friends. Yeah, it's very tough. And yeah. and I know you do, you know, I know you do have friends that are, um, to use a cliche word, successful. Yeah, well, so, friends, well, yeah. I mean, exactly. And actually, I, I think when you get older, you realise success means very different things yeah. to ourselves. Yeah. And what that's saying to me is, and I, I, I totally resonate with those things about... I, I need to be in this job because that's where my level is. That's my self-esteem. Yeah, I if I just so do bad these, about and, and actually, ironically, then it makes you feel worse because you think you're not fulfilling a potential. I guess so. There's yeah. a, a weird dichotomy going on there. Yeah. So, 
did things how did things start to improve did they improve then what what was they, i guess they did and and how was that if you were in you know what changed um well i started to change okay and i became it's very tiring yeah as you know maintaining yeah. any kind of addiction and i really was addicted to those behaviors it takes a lot of time doesn't it it takes an all, effort yeah all your effort and time yeah. and uh and headspace yes and it drains you of your vital energy mm. And I literally, I literally couldn't sustain it. Mm. So I'm trying to remember the kind of chronology of it. But I then saw another therapist who said, if you carry on being sick, because I wasn't being sick, went to see him, started again. And he was very firm with me. And he said, if you carry on, he said, I'm not going to see you. Okay. He said, you either stop yeah. or you f- off. Yeah. And, that, and it was just the timing of it was perfect. So then... Timing is timing is an important thing, isn't it? Yeah. And also, I think you've mentioned a couple of times there, I, I guess what we can use, tough love. Yeah. And I remember seeing a therapist for alcohol abuse mm. when I was years ago. And she said to me, I don't want to see you because you're not ready for this. And I took it to be, I was so offended. <laughs> yeah, of course. I wanted to report her. And she was absolutely doing her job. Yeah. Now, you know, it. it I think it, I think it's interesting that we have this view that everyone needs to bend over backwards to save people. No. And really, I'm, hey, I am speaking for myself. No one can save me In, except uh, yeah, me. Exactly. And, and that is, and some people recognize that and some people don't. And, and I guess I'm interested where uh, well, I that was, came certainly for wasn't, you. I certainly haven't been ready to talk about it publicly until yeah. now. Uh, because I was bored by it yeah. after doing all that therapy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about this. Yes. I tried to write about it. I'm like, I don't want to write about no. this. Seriously. And it can still seem indulgent, can't it? Yeah. It's like I, I never want to. I always say to people, I've had that drugs, a drink, the this. Yeah, me too. I would never give advice on it. I can talk yeah. to. I can talk about my experience. Yeah. But actually my experience is not, it, it, it doesn't necessarily resonate, does it? It, no. it might be interesting. But what was the thing that Anne... It's not interesting. Once you, yeah. Uh, well, people might be interested in it if they have mm, a relevance to it, but mm. it's not going to say. I, 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 I sometimes doubt about these life-changing, um, inspirational talks. Do we now talk about your philosophy on well, life? Well, well, I've never. <laughs> has your life been changed by a, a talk? Um, uh, no moments, and it, because the life is. I always want light bulb moments, but it's not. I find that it's it's a process and it's incremental. But it's actions, you, isn't it? It's yeah. your actions and yeah. your thoughts. Yes. And and I wonder what were, were there any pivotal moments? I know I had a few sort of moments that whether they were real or not, I could say okay, things changed. From yes, there. there was a pivotal moment when I got a flat. I was given a flat, housing association flat. Okay. And I lived in one room with hardly any furniture for a year, with all my clothes piled up on the table. Mm. And the only thing that made me sort out my flat was because I had mice. And I was ter- I'm was i terrified of mice. Right. And uh, it kind of got me going. I was like, sort your life out. You need to paint. You need to make sure but there what are no was it? I'm interested. I, I, I get that. But what was it? Can you pinpoint was there, was there thoughts, was there actions? How was this relative to, you know, w- you know the addictions? Because I was just so tired of it. Right. I was tired and I wanted to change and I wasn't achieving anything and I couldn't maintain the facade anymore and I felt so depressed. 
I didn't see the point. So you thought if you decorated, changed, did this, was that a oh, process? Partly. Also, I had to be take responsibility, and I was like, this is this is not good. You're in your thirties. I was still being bulimic, on and off. I'm fifty four now. Uh, I've probably thrown up in the last couple of years, and thought to myself, it's because I've I feel sick. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be sick. Uh, but I was still going early, early 40s. Yeah. And it feels terrible. So every time I did it, if you want a moment, every time I did it, it felt awful. I felt guilty. I felt like a hypocrite because I'd be in therapy talking about I hadn't thrown up and I was doing well. I'd feel shameful. I'd feel so sad. Uh, My body would go into this like a kind of, I describe it as like a toxic shock, but my whole body would bloat. Yeah. And then I couldn't throw up anymore. Whatever I'd eaten or whatever I'd drunk, I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. And I had to sit with it. Yeah. And that was, that's what sorted me out, sitting with it. Sitting with the discomfort with yeah. it. And sitting with your feelings yeah. of angst, whatever they might be. That's, that's an interesting thing. And I, I totally agree. Sitting with stuff is really useful, isn't it? You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Hello, welcome back to This Food Thing. I'm Roger and I'm here with Gemma, who will be your host. We started to speak about sitting with discomfort. Mm -hmm. And feelings are uncomfortable, aren't they? Yeah. Really uncomfortable. Mm. And... I think it's interesting that we will stop at nothing to get rid of discomfort, won't we? Yeah. So is it possible to learn to be uncomfortable and be okay? Yeah. yeah. That's, isn't that the point? Yeah. One of the points of being here on this how do we? How do we do that? Because you still have to practice that, don't you? What were the feelings of discomfort that you remember in your life? What would they be? Disappointment. So be a bit more forensic. What would it be? Would it I be? I was going dis- to get there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just like me interviewing yeah. other people. Yeah. Ooh, tell me this. Tell me this. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't done that voice yet. You'll hear that in later podcasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So disappointment. Tell tell me a bit more. Disappointment at myself. Okay. Self. It's self hatred. And rage. I was talking to someone. It was rage and fear. Those are my, those were the feelings I was trying to reconcile with. So how would that take place? What, what I'm trying to understand is, would you be sitting around a family dinner? Would you be with friends? Where? How would that rage and fear be in your... I've always had it. Yeah. I've always had it. So you could be talking to someone... Like companions, and, in, internal companions. Right, right. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, we're putting a name to it. It just, now I see it more as just a... As energy. Right. Because I meditate and yeah. stuff, I see it slightly differently. But I would feel like feelings were coming up from the deep and they would just course through my system. Yeah. And I wouldn't know what to do with them. I mean, does that answer your question? Well, I can see your face. You're thinking. Yeah, yeah. well, I am. I, I tell you why I'm asking this because I think everyone that's listening will have 
their own interpretation on this. And I want to give you an example and, and see what you say to this. My feelings of discomfort would be in a group, in an environment, around a dinner table with people, and I would feel a need to be clever, be funny, be witty, make yeah, you mentioned that you're... And those things, yeah. The, yeah. So that would be the feeling of discomfort for me that okay. I would want to squash with okay. something. So what would what would your... your When would they take place, maybe? All the time. When okay. I woke up, I'd feel uncomfortable in yeah. my skin. Yeah. I'd feel off kilter walking down the street. Yeah. I'd feel like I could pick up on everyone else's uh, emotions or yeah. um, someone looking at me or someone standing behind me too close or I'd just feel an internal pressure. Yeah. And I've always felt that. Yeah. And that's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah, I'd want to climb exhausting. out of my own skin. Yeah. I wouldn't have had to. Yes, it's completely exhausting, completely unsustainable. And, you know, I did want to live because also I'm very tenacious. I'm very good at picking myself up. Yeah. And, um, you know, cracking on. Yeah. Which I'm really happy about. But yeah. I, I wanted to live as well. Yeah. Because I'm very optimistic and, yeah. you know. Life is joyful, right? Yeah. And 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 it's interesting, isn't it? Having optimism Mm. and feeling crap. Yeah. There's an interesting thing there, isn't there? And I do agree with you. Yeah. I've always felt optimistic and there was some sort of irony about that which would almost make it worse. I also knew that I wasn't being true to myself. Yeah. Because I wasn't expressing myself. So the more that I started to express how I felt or to live authentically my life in a way that suited me rather than fitting in with other people. I am brilliant at fitting in with other people. So how did you start to suit yourself? What did, what had, steps did you take? I had lots of therapy. Right. I um, I sacked the fantasy of wanting to be an actor. Okay. I, I started writing. Let's not talk about all that. Let's talk about... Um, well, no, no, because I'm interested in... I think what's useful is... What are your steps that... I started to be vulnerable. The, yeah, okay. I started to share myself And it's funny, you just people. stopped yourself then. Why Why did you just stop yourself and say, I don't want to talk about that? What was that Because thought? I thought that I was going off on a, on, a, on a tangent that wasn't relevant. And because sometimes, I'm pointing, I'm wagging my finger, sometimes when I talk about this stuff, I completely blank. And I get this feeling that comes up from my feet and I get very lightheaded. So I just saw you. I tell you what I just saw, Mm. you know, and I'm I'm just going to reflect this back. You looked like you were on a trail and then it went into an internal sort of thought and Mm. you decided to edit there, didn't you? Yeah. And I really (laughs) am it. Well, you did that and I could see you do it. And, And what I was interested in was your physical steps for yourself and you almost stopped yourself talking about things that you were doing for you what, what I started was that about? to eat properly yeah oh, what, what was that about yeah so why did you stop yourself it's when you were habit. talking in it yeah it's and, an old habit and that's interesting it was uncomfortable yeah so it kicked in but what was uncomfortable about that talking about you because, because the whole I'm, thing is about you but but what, what because was, I wanted to find the words and I wanted to be articulate and I couldn't right. find the word and then because it, I we used to have this such doubt so part of me was thinking, am I answering it properly? 
is this what he means? Right, exactly. I, I want to say yeah. it, and it's being recorded. That's, so that's what I'm really interested in now is, is because this is vulnerability, isn't it? Who cares whether this goes in a scripted way or not? Who cares whether this is for interesting sure, to other people? Sure. What we're doing is two people genuinely. Yeah. And I hope it sounds like that because I am listening to what you're saying and I'm interested in what you're saying. Whether other people are or not, right. actually, it's resonating with me and what I'm interested in. Does it resonate in, with you? Yeah, of course are it does. Are you thinking, I didn't know that about you, Gemma? Well, of course. I don't know a lot of these things about you, but what I'm what I'm more interested in, in a way, is you are still holding on to that. This needs to be correct and proper. So there's, you know, you mentioned things about therapists, and I wouldn't quite go there. Hmm. And in a way, I understand that. I come but, from that background. Yeah, of course, things and I do and too. Um, and I and I guess because I'm asking the questions, it's easier for me to sit back and be safer to do that. But it's funny you only you just mentioned vulnerability, and I think. This is all about vulnerability, yeah, it isn't took, it? It took me such a long time to get there that even, like, in a microcosmic way, now it took me such a long time to get there. Yeah, I didn't want to feel the feel the feelings because they were too painful. Yeah. So when I started to feel the feelings, in answer to your, what was the moment? Yeah. That's when things began to shift. And also, this brilliant therapist said to me, he said, "Life is a journey of emotion," and I kind of looked at him and went, mm. "Yeah." And it is. Of course, it is. And I started to be able to handle my life and myself and have feelings about myself that weren't so self-destructive. Yeah. And every now and then I went, yeah, 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 you're doing okay. Yeah. You're okay. And I started to eat properly and it didn't feel bad. Yeah. And I started to look after myself. But it was stop-start. You mentioned emotions and emotions are something we're not taught about, are they? No. We're not taught about... Maybe more now. Well, I, I would even argue not. Yeah, maybe I not. Would, and, and we are not articulate with emotions. Happy, no. sad. What does yeah. it mean? What does it look like? Little what is emo- it? Emojis. Exactly. So emotions really, and you mentioned that, life is emotion because emotions motivate us, don't they? It makes us sad. This It makes us do things. Not all for the best. It's this primeval thing. So right. the more we can be articulate with, I am feeling vulnerable. What's your next question? Why am I? Yeah. And then that starts to become useful. I'm feeling vulnerable because something happened at work. My status has been attacked. I feel this, I feel that. Now that surely can then help us go, so maybe I don't need to binge and throw up. I can actually do something differently around that. So being okay with your emotions. Yeah, I wasn't able to get there on my own, clearly. But what also, uh, the the fundamental bit for me was recognising the voices of my defences. Yeah. And again, this same person taught me that your defences work so much. in They're in your corner. They really are trying to protect you. And they are in the last redoubt on the battlefield. Once you get that and you can see them for what they are and kind of let your defences go, yeah. then you can have a different conversation, yeah. not only internally but externally. Yeah. Then your life starts to change because you start to feel different. And so what you, oh, this is a cliche, what you bring to the table or what happens when you go out there is changed. Yeah. Because because you're being vulnerable, because your defences have gone, oh, okay, we'll just, we'll hang out in the, you know, sunroom. Yeah. 
we don't need to do to do that job in that way anymore. And your defences are important, but they're not. They they are trying to help you. They're not always helping you. That's the thing. Yeah, but you don't know primary. that exactly, until you. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's motivating you. It's rather like you know, I might get terribly depressed, and that is you know, I'm trying to. It's trying to motivate me to do something different, but it's not going to. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm in this real place. Yeah, so you're in a fog. Actually, and that vulnerability allows you to go sit with it. This makes me feel vulnerable now, yeah. but I feel good about it. Yeah. And you're right, I don't, I kind of don't care. Who cares, really? It's a conversation. Because, yeah, exactly. But when you free up that conversation, surely, then you're able to uh, make decisions based on it, not on whether I sound clever or articulate or is this the right thing. Oh, everything changes because just the texture of your life changes. Every single moment changes. Can we do that, though, Gemma? You know, we're sitting here with age. You know, we're 180. 185. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, if, if we were listening to this when we were 20... What does that mean? Well, we'd switch the telly on. Yeah, yeah. Off. well, we would have been watching the tube, wouldn't we? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because he would have done. Yeah. Well, I don't know because I spoke to someone who was much younger who is bulimic. She's on the podcast, and I ended up at the end of the conversation saying, "You need it. It's serving you right now." So I don't think I would have listened to this conversation right. when I was young. That's yeah, it's interesting. And what I'm saying is. It, does age give you hindsight? I think it does, but I'm older, of course. I'm going to think that. what happens as you get older. Yeah, I know course. lots of people who are seventy or eighty who yeah. have, who are still behaving mentally and emotionally as they probably were when they were kids. Yeah, it do, it's not just a, a given. Some of them are elected. <laughs> Some of them I am related to. <laughs> 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 okay, we won't, we won't go there. No, we're not going there. Yeah. So yeah. It, so age does age doesn't necessarily give you wisdom. No, it doesn't. So how do we find wisdom? You know, and of course we're going to say this, but you know, I feel I've got a bit of I feel I've got a bit of wisdom. I don't feel wise, don't do you? you? I feel a bit. No. I, I feel I do. Yeah, I do feel I've got a bit of wisdom. I feel that I've got a bit of wisdom in terms of I'm I'm kinder to myself. I'm better to myself. Oh, I'm okay. less judgmental. Okay. So I'm in wisdom around that. Okay. But why? Why do I feel I've found that? And other people will go, "What does that mean?" Because you're a big show off. Is it? No. Is it just because? No, I... because you're recognising something, and that's how you're naming it. I have moments of feel, feeling incredibly wise. Yeah. But I wouldn't say they're moments. I. Uh, yeah, I feel uh, more aware. Maybe this that's a word I feel happier yeah. using. I feel much more aware, much more um, open. So what, at the risk of a neat tying up, oh, what, well, but what, what, what made you do this podcast? How did you get here now from what you've described? I kind of don't know, other than I had a conversation with my husband about a podcast and... Oh yeah, then I was gonna I was gonna do something about isn't addiction a waste of time? Because it, it doesn't yeah, and then it it kind of grew from there because it's quite recent. And then I had a conversation with you on the phone, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you spoke about finding your mum mm. in a Tupperware box. Do you remember that? Her ashes were in a Tupperware box, yes. yeah. and we were yeah. howling with laughter. <laughs> All yeah. respect to your mum. Yeah. And I just thought... She's probably still there. She's probably still there yeah. in the Tupperware box. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, 
I could have some really open conversations about food. I don't know. Could I just say, my mum is not food, by the way. (laughs) That is a disclaimer. (laughs) Nor was she eaten. (laughs) And she was past harming. In this, <laughs> so yeah, I think we should we should correct yeah, that. Yes, I suddenly thought, well, maybe this would work. Maybe I could have a conversation about food and feelings around food, mm. f- including my background, rather than talking about issue-based stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about sugar. Let's talk about the reasons you become anorexic or bulimic or overeat or whatever. You've got different guests coming up, clearly, and I have some interesting friends. Yeah, and I thought it would be. How did you choose enough. your guests? I mean, I, you know, did you not what? get the payment? No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I see. That's how you chose them. Yeah. Um, um, people who I knew had had issues around right. food or addiction, drink, drugs, whatever. Yeah. Um, and also partly because of COVID, I haven't been able to reach some people because I'm actually going to visit people rather than doing it on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, that's how I chose mm. it. And people who were who were open, who responded, and went, "Yeah, I'll talk to you," which is just an honour. Yeah. And have you? Learned things doing it about yes. yourself? Um, my interview technique. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one. How not to jump in? <laughs> I'll never learn that, of course. No. But I'm not an interviewer. <laughs> I'm just a Another... wonderful first guest. <laughs> Another disclaimer. Exactly. Not a therapist, yes. not an interviewer. But I will end up in a Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have I learned things? Yeah, I have, actually. Um, I've learned... Well, I have. I've learned about how I come across... I'll probably listen back to this and think, oh, goodness. Um, And that it's... uh, People are so... People want to talk. Yeah. People want to talk about how they feel. Yeah. And people like to talk about food. And I don't know. What else have I learned? That's it, really. That's not a very good answer, is it? one thing. You've learned one thing. Well, I think what we'll do is (laughs) let's listen to the series and see if we learn a bit more. So, uh, but it's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for interviewing me on my podcast. Exactly. And I look forward to your podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Roger. So, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.